Welcome to Massive Late Fee, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark, with me as always is my sparkling girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much? It's been a good week here. It is November 29th, 1997, and you look... Fabulous! You look marvelous. Uh, thank you. It's it's got to be that uh, Claire's body glitter that I nice. Yeah. Is that edible body glitter? No. Oh, all right. Do you think Claire's is a store that targets edible anything other than maybe like candy? I don't know. I don't know much about Claire's. <laughs> They don't sell edible underwear there. No, it's not like Spencer's gifts. No. <laughs> what I like was Spencer just a pervert. Like, what is what is with Spencer's? Maybe gift? I don't know. It is a fairly inappropriate store, but it's fun. Speaking of fun, Carol. Now I'm going to talk about sports for a second. Sorry, uh, everybody. Sorry. See, that's I'm not so speaking sorry. of fun. That's the opposite of speaking of fun. So sorry. We've got to talk about sports for a second, but it's relevant to our neck of the woods here. Uh, Sorry, everyone. Is that enough apologies for the fucking whiners out there that hate sports? No, it's never, not. We never talk about sports. Michigan, the University of Michigan, has defeated uh, Ohio State University, or as they arrogantly like to be called, the Ohio State University. And now they are number one, Carol, in both the AP poll and the coaches poll. 11-0 and Michigan, number one. They're going to play the Rose Bowl, I believe, against, uh, I believe it will be Washington State. And so they're going to go for a national championship. Unfortunately, they can't play number two, Nebraska, who is 10-0. and It would be nice if they could play directly against them to, to actually crown a national champion. I'm going to go on a mini rant here. It's going to be very quick, but... I wish they had a playoff system. See, what happens is, Carol, is uh, all the different different college conferences are, are contracted into bowl games. So, like, the winner of the Big Ten, which is where Michigan plays, goes to the Rose Bowl, and they play the winner of the Pac-10, the Pacific Ten, which is Washington State this year, and or Washington. I, I can't remember if it's Washington or Washington State. One of them. Anyway, so they play, they play, Ryan Leaf, they play against them, and then they see, you know, who uh, who wins that game, right? And then all the bowls get played, and at the end, if there's two teams that are undefeated, then they have the, the, the writers essentially decide which one they think looked better and which one is number one. They never actually play against each other. That's stupid. It sucks. I'd love them to play Lawrence Phillips or whatever in the frickin' the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Mm, the Cornhuskers? Seriously? That's what they're called, yeah. Wow. And what, do you, what do you think about that? Cornhuskers. That's a I'm, badass name, isn't it? I mean, like... We're laborers. We have some some corn here in Michigan. Sure. But I don't feel like it's anything to brag about. No, that's all. That's Nebraska's entire personality. <laughs> Corn. Nice job, Nebraska. You suck. 
Uh, anyway, so that's my little sports rant. Michigan's number one. I'm happy. I'm a, I'm a U of M fan. Well, I mean, if I have to choose between U of M and Michigan State, I'll always choose U of M. And we hope that they win the national championship. It would be, their, I think, their first one in history or their first one in a long time anyway. Sure. Yeah. Sure is right, Carol. <laughs> now, on to more relevant things for people that like the show. Sorry about the sports talk, everyone. It took up all of four minutes. Sorry, everyone. Asshole. Ah. Uh, looking good, Carol. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. So, uh, let's see. Filmmakers are going to zoom in on Detroit, all right? Metro locations pack realistic punch for out-of-sight production. Okay. They're producing a movie called Out of Sight with George Clooney of ER fame. George Clooney is going to be in Detroit? Yeah. Now you care. (laughs) Now you care. Well, it's also not sports. You're going to go find George Clooney, huh? Well, no. Mr. Clooney. I mean, I wouldn't ever... You know, Dr. Doug, whatever. Look is for it. George Clooney. I've got you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, this movie, Out of Sight, it's based on a, a novel by Elmore Leonard. Maybe you've heard of him. Famous author, lives in Birmingham, Michigan. Uh-huh. From here. And because, you know, he writes about Detroit a lot, it's, uh, they decided, hey, let's go to Detroit and film some of this stuff. That's cool. Like, the only movie I can think of that's been filmed in Detroit is probably Hills Cab. Yeah, partially anyway. Part part of it was filmed in Beverly Hills. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, it is the world famous Kronk Gym, but because this is the movies, it isn't. The ceiling in Detroit's historic basement boxing mecca at the corner of McGraw and Junction, where author Elmore Leonard set a critical scene in his best-selling novel Out of Sight, proved too low to accommodate the lights and sound equipments required by the crew. This, uh-huh. this, however, did not deter a Jersey film president, Stacy Scheer, who ordered the gym scrupulously rebuilt in the community gym upstairs. Oh, wow. Hey, it's the Kronk, said Scheer, a fight fan and a recreational boxer. We had to do it justice. That's, uh, so I, th- I think, like, Joe Lewis and shit trained in that gym. I mean, it's a, it's a historic gym. That's cool. Uh Sheer, with her Jersey Films partners Michael Schamberg and Danny DeVito, are hoping to do out of sight the same justice Jersey Films did to the pre- previous Leonard adaptation, the 1995 hit Get Shorty, which we watched. Yeah, that was a good one. And reap the same rewards. And they're trying to do a Detroit, which hasn't been the site of much big studio filmmaking in recent years. That's yeah. true. Sheer snagged ER star George Clooney for what he calls his best feature role yet, as Leonard's likable escaped bank robber, Jack McCoy. She also hired a supporting cast that included Jennifer Lopez, Ving Rames, and Don Cheadle. Interesting. So, they're, uh, they're going to be filming around Bloomfield Hills and, and some, uh, some areas like that, obviously, at the gym. What do you think? Do you want to try to become extras in the movie? Do you want to... Go down there yeah. and see, see what we can do. If you find anything in the paper about, you know, getting to be extras, I would be all about that. Because I know they, they, they typically cast extras from wherever they're at. Like, right. Uh, in, they did, they filmed Jason Takes Manhattan <laughs> in Vancouver. 
Okay. Because it was much cheaper to film than New York, obviously. Mm. They did they did one scene, I think, in Times Square. They filmed for one day in Times Square. Okay. And which is probably the best scene in the movie. But most of it's filmed in Vancouver and I, I know a lot of the the residents around Vancouver were you know, got to be extras and stuff, so Well that's you pretty know. cool. I would love I would love that. Last bit of news, Carol. What you got? It's it's the Christmas season, I would say. Thanksgiving is. is behind us. Christmas music is on the radio and we're we're Christmas music we're Christmas timing. It's it's beginning to look a lot like mm-hmm. Christmas. We even put up our tree. We did. And because of that, we got some stocking stuffers. Okay. Uh, the selection is big, and so are the price tags of these tiny, cutting-edge technology gizmos. Stocking stuffers for the decidedly unstuffy. So it's technology. Okay. Shop for electronic gadgets this year, and you'll have full pockets and an empty bank account. <laughs> the number of beeping, blinking knickknacks that can slip into a Christmas stocking is bigger than ever, as widget companies work overtime and their products get downsized. We pick a selection of holiday gifts to give you ideas of what's out there. Be warned, they aren't cheap, but they are very, very cool. You might just end up stuffing a few into your own stocking this year. Goodness. <laughs> Sound a little dirty there. I don't understand why people would put expensive things in a stocking. Like, I, cause I, I think I, they probably wouldn't, but I think the whole point is like technology is getting smaller. All right. Uh, there's the complete, C-O-M dot P-L-E-T-E, complete. Okay. Shouldn't be be dot complete <laughs> PC card from Global Wave, which snaps into the Type Three PC card slot on your notebook computer and provides a full featured cellular phone, fax, and modem. Interesting. Wow. So you type, you put this PC card into your computer, and it can work as a cellular phone, fax, and modem. Interesting. That's a lot. This is the card that will have everyone surfing the Internet's World Wide Web and running up their phone bills to astronomical heights. <laughs> it costs $499, Holy Carol. shit. <sighs> no way. Then there's the Rex, Rolodex's 1.4-ounce electronic organizer. Oh, that, my God, I want it. That's updated by your PC. Ooh, it fits into the PC card slot on the notebook computers, or you can get a desktop version that slips into its own tiny docking station. Expect to pay $130 for the basic model and $180 for the desktop PC version. I want it. I don't know. Maybe I'll have it. You know, <laughs> I'm getting ideas here. There's also an updated version of U.S. Robotics Palm Pilot. Uh, definitely the gift to give last year is still at the top of Techie's Lists. The handwriting-controlled computer is 4.7 inches tall and weighs 5.7 ounces. It tracks your agenda, talks to your computer, and lets you write email on the go, all for $250 to $370. I want want that one. (laughs) Now you want a Palm Pilot? Can I have them both? It sounds like there'd be a little overlap in functionality, though. Right. What about, uh, let's see... No. Well, I really like just buying, like, a big organizer and spending all day, like, 
filling it out and right. Know, I like organizing ro- it. I like Rolodexes. Well, it's not just a Rolodex. I mean, like, you know, you got your calendar, you got your phone numbers, you got... For sure. Other stuff. Uh, for desktop owners, try the MGE Pulsar Desktop 220 Plus, the smallest uninterrupted power supply for computers on the market. Okay. Interesting. They also have the Q Phone by Qualcomm. It's 5.7 ounces. It's a phone, but it's wireless. It's uh, one of those cellular telephones. Okay. We've seen them in movies and stuff. I don't yeah. know anyone that owns one. But. I mean, like, Zach and Say by the Bell had that gigantic one that like was but the look size at this of his one. head. This one's small, Ooh. and you can flip it open. Wow. Q-Phone. It's $549. I think I'll just stick with my pager. Thanks. Like, that's why there's payphones everywhere, people. Right. Why, why would anybody spend that much money when you can just fucking, like, pull over and use the phone in the corner? Right. Then Plus, the, I kind of enjoy the vibration from the pager. Do you? <laughs> I do. do. You know? uh, and then last but not least, there's uh, Sony's people-friendly digita- digital Mavica camera. $599. Holy shit. Okay, again, again, people, like, just, you know, use film. What? what? It's cool, but is it worth it? It's a camera, and I guess... Because it's digital, it means you can you can put it on the computer. But then what do you do when you have it on the computer? Can you print pictures from I your computer? No, it sounds complicated. Like I like a photo album. So my question is I I have a regular we have a regular like dot matrix printer, you know. Like I don't think I don't think that's gonna print a photograph. Well no. And if you wanted to print a photograph in color, like like it gets developed or whatever, then you need to buy a new printer too. So not only do you have to, to buy spend the 600 bucks on the digital camera, yeah. but you're going to have to spend more money on something else to, to put onto your computer. Not worth it. Save your money. And does it just use regular paper? Or do you need to buy special expensive paper? I bet you do. It's all a racket. I'll stick to my... Uh, Whatever, Instamatic. Just... Right? And then just take it into uh, the photo place. I like... I, I know that's very old-fashioned, but I also like uh, just Polaroids. They're so fun. Well, Polaroids are good because you can take no- naked photographs because you don't, have to, <laughs> you don't have to worry about the person developing the photo seeing anything. Right. I don't take no- naked photos. No. I mean, no one said you did, but I'm just saying it's an option. <laughs> It's out there. Anyway, speaking of out there, Carol, we saw a movie. I bet that's what they use the digital camera for. <laughs> oh, maybe. You're right. On the computer. Yeah. Put it on the computer, and then you can email it. Whores. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Well, speaking of whores, uh, we watched a movie. Uh, do you want to really call that piece of garbage, that steaming pile of shit, a movie? I don't know. It was something. It was a. Uh, it was a, a spectacle. It was like a bad acid trip. So we saw Alien Resurrection. Uh huh. My first thought upon seeing the trailer and the commercials and stuff for this movie was she died in Alien Three. 
I know they're calling it resurrection, but how exactly are they planning on resurrecting her? So obviously, for these those of you unfamiliar, uh, I don't know why you would be unfamiliar if you're listening to this. Right. But Alien, great movie, horror movie in space. It's 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 a slasher movie or whatever horror in space. The Nostromo, which is a weird name for a ship, anyway. If you look at it, it looks like a haunted house. Ooh. It doesn't look like a ship. Interesting. It, like As it passes by, it doesn't look functional as a ship, but it's not supposed to. It's supposed to look like a haunted house flying in space, <laughs> and it does that very well. So, obviously, great, great film. 1979, top of its game, Wrigley Scott. Ridley Scott, even. Uh, and then Aliens... James Cameron, he, uh, you know, new take on it. It's mm-hmm. it's a Vietnam movie, obviously. <laughs> it's basically, it's it's Vietnam in space, essentially, and it's an action movie, and it's great. Which one of these movies does the alien pop out of the guy's chest in? The first one, Alien. Okay, that's uh, that's the one I like. Yeah, that's that's a uh, very creepy scene. Famously, they. They didn't tell people that was going to happen. Well, yeah. No, the actors. Oh, oh, that's funny. Like they knew something was going to happen. John Hurt is who it happens to, and they told uh-huh. they told him, right? But they didn't tell them exactly what was going to happen and stuff. And the blood like flies. It gets on. I can't remember the actress's name, but it gets on the redheaded actress <laughs> and her like revolting, like revolted r- response. Is genuine. That's awesome. Because she had no idea it was coming. But yeah, great scene. And so those those two movies, great. Then they decide to make Alien 3, which undoes a lot of the end of Aliens hmm. and sucks. Yeah, people need to learn when to stop. Very famously, James Cameron, when they uh, when they were they said, hey, we want to do an Aliens. He came, we want to do a sequel to Alien. He came in and wrote Alien on the chalkboard and then drew an S and then made the S into a dollar sign. <laughs> and they were like, oh. That's joke. funny. It's a joke. Um, but anyway, so that movie sucked. There were some things okay about Alien 3. But for the most part, it was bad. I feel like I probably didn't even see it. I don't think you did. Because, like, I, I, think I, I really just saw I don't love sequels that much. So I'm, then, I don't love space that much. And we've done a lot of space movies lately, I'm just saying. Yeah. Leprechaun in space. Remember that one? Oh, God. That was awful. See, that's the thing is most of them are awful. Yeah. Go ahead. So they they should put Jason in space. We mm-hmm. we just talked about, uh, what, you know, Jason takes Manhattan. They should do fucking Jason in space. That'd be funny. Anyway, so now they made a Alien Resurrection. And really, the only reason that I said, hey, let's go see this movie is because the writer of this movie is Joss Whedon. <laughs> and we cover Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. For those of you that don't listen to Slayer Talk, you should. That's our Buffy the Vampire Slayer show. Comes out on Fridays, at least when, you know, there's Buffy. There's been When no there's way. Buffy, there's there's Slayer Talk. Yeah. Yeah, they do, do take some breaks. Especially around, you know, holidays. Lots yeah. of our good shows take breaks. It makes me sad. I know. It sucks. Just have to watch nine hundred two and O tapes. <laughs> but anyway, so 
he wrote this. And I was like, okay, we like Buffy. It's funny right. and quippy and stuff. Let's let's see this. It's not Sucks. funny. It's not quippy. It's not entertaining in any way. And it's disorientingly bad. They were trying to make it quippy. It felt they were. it felt like it was supposed to be quippy. No. I think so. One thing that I hated about this movie is Sigourney Weaver. And not the actress, because she's fantastic. And she's good in this. She's doing a good acting job in this, like she always does. But her character. Well, that's the thing. The conceit of this movie is, in order to bring back Ripley, who incinerated herself with an alien inside of her in the end of the last movie... They took blood samples or something like that. They, they essentially, they got her DNA and they cloned her in the condition of having an alien inside of her because they want to remove the alien and, and you know, whatever. The, the, the vague idea of, like, breed a bunch of uh, killer aliens that we can't control, then profit. You know, so, like that's like, like Jurassic Park. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. That's and it's it, it makes sense the first time. It makes sense in Alien mm-hmm. when they're like, "Hey, we this is interesting. We want to study this." And then it goes out of control and kills everybody. And it's like, "Oh, oops." So it makes sense the first time, but when they do it time and time and time again, when it's the plot of every fucking movie, it's like. This isn't interesting anymore or believable. Like they know the last two, three things happened. They know right. the last. They know the events of the last three movies, and they're like, "Oh, what, you know, you know, we can do it. We're better." It was important enough for her to throw herself into fire. Right. Don't undo that. But anyway, so they clone her, and she has some of her memories, but not all of her memories. But my problem with this is this is not Ellen Ripley. Right. They mention it a couple times. This is a completely different character. Mm -hmm. It's a whole new character. And she plays, Sigourney Weaver does a very good job of playing it like that. She doesn't play it like Ripley. She's weird and (laughs) aloof. And she's got like superpowers kind of, almost like Buffy. It's weird. Her blood's acid. Yeah, because she's merged in some way with the alien. She says they didn't take it all out. So there's still some of it left in me. That's awful. Yeah. Um, So she's a completely different character. And I guess, like, why do I care? This is not the character I've gone through three movies with. That character's dead. Why do I care about her? Like, I'm thinking to myself, all of you blow yourselves up. I mean, in the beginning, when they cloned her, they cloned her to get the alien. And how would they even know that would work? I don't know. And I mean, I don't think it should because the alien was not part of her DNA. Yeah. But um, they weren't trying to save her. Like, they just were like, oh, she's still viable. I guess we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll just sew her up sew and her keep up, her. Whatever. Yeah. Like, they, they would have been fine if she had died in extracting that alien. They didn't yeah. care. Now, I wonder how much of Joss Whedon's script was destroyed. Well, if Buffy is any indication. The movie, you mean? No. Oh, the show, okay. Like, the quality that we get from the Buffy TV show as Mm -hmm. far as the script. 
compared to this. I mean, there's almost nothing of him in it. Oh, I can see, I can see some of him in it, but I, I, I feel like a lot of it was moved, changed, distorted. Well, that's like what happens, right? Yeah, I guess. But like, we don't really know because it's rare that unless you're talking about a writer or director like Kevin Smith or Quentin Tarantino or John Hughes, whose movies have a sameness. I mean, they're different. Mm-hmm. They're different, but they have a similar quality to it because it's one person's point of view, uh-huh. one person's slant. But when you're a writer and director, you're pretty much in full control over the thing, right? So it's rare, except in those in those rare cases, it's rare that I'm super familiar with the writers of a movie yeah. that don't direct it or don't do other things. And it's a, a unique situation with Joss Whedon because he has complete control over the Buffy show. Right. So we know what his writing style and what his sensibilities are. And to carry that over to this, it's, you know, it's so we can see the differences. But that's a rare situation. So I guess that happens to a lot of them, but we just never know. And sometimes changes made are good. And sometimes like this, they suck. This movie was so awful. It was like torture. I mean, I was already tired. Yeah. And somehow they made a space alien movie boring. It was boring. And that's the biggest. I mean, there's there's 12 aliens running around and it's boring. And at one point, like, when everything was going crazy, like, they did a lot of, like, flashing lights. Yeah. That I don't understand. It's like we're not at a, like, rave. Rave, right. Um, it's an alien rave. It's a ravelian. It just, it seemed really weird. Like, why? I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I guess maybe to cover up some of the the. The bad special effects. <laughs> That's true. He does do a lot of that bullshit in Buffy, too. But, well, he didn't direct this movie, so that wouldn't have been his uh-huh. choice. But it was a French director that directed this. I can't remember his name, but it was a French dude. Some of the Joss Whedon stuff that I can kind of see, there are interesting ideas here. They're just not handled super well. The idea of bringing Ripley back, she died, so bringing her back as a clone that's kind of what you, that's kind of really the only way to do it if you want to bring her yeah. back. I don't necessarily think she needed to be in this movie. No. I don't necessarily think they needed to bring Sigourney Weaver back. That's true. It's a movie about the aliens, not Ripley. But the idea of bringing her back and then her having some kind of connection with the aliens, mm-hmm. like a, because uh, uh, they don't kill her and they don't want to kill her. Yeah. They well, look at her, the queen alien that they took from her, looks at her as its mother. Yeah. And for some way, and that's a weird reason. That's a weird, that's weird in and of itself. Yeah. Because they're like a parasitic race. You know what I mean? They they use human beings or whatever they can find, dogs or whatever they can find, as a host for their, to reproduce. But they're like cockroaches. They're like giant cockroaches. And if you had a, a if you had a cockroach, if you were the host or, or like a tape. Do cockroaches lay their eggs inside of people? No, no, no. Oh so, my god, that was some nightmare fuel. Oh my god. So think like think about this. Like a tapeworm, right? Okay. If you had a tapeworm inside you and you pulled the tapeworm out of you, or they removed the tapeworm from you surgically, you wouldn't expect the tapeworm would be like 
that's my mom. <laughs> you know what I right? mean? Like yeah. that's, I, it doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the uh, that idea, at least the the vague idea of her having a connection in this way to the aliens, is interesting. But you have to do it a lot differently than they did, because the whole idea of the alien being like, oh, the, I look at I look at her as my mom. Yeah, it doesn't. It was. It falls down. It doesn't work. Well, and like I mean, I could see because her blood's acid and stuff. Like they just, you know, they wouldn't want to mess with her because she's like kind of like one of them or whatever. I could yeah. see that, but they didn't have to take it that far. And then the other thing that happens is, oh, this pisses me off. The other weird thing, the weird idea that they do, and maybe this is a Joss Sweden idea, but they fucking ruined it. Is the alien because the Queen Alien because it's some of it's left in Ripley, so she has qualities of the alien. And some of the some of her is left in the alien. So now, instead of laying eggs and the face huggers coming out, she is a human womb that she can give birth to. And there's a scene of the alien giving birth. And it's fucking weird. And uh-huh. like... Who fucked that alien? Yeah. Where did the other half come from? Because human beings don't work that way. By the way, the whole thing in the first one was they are genetically perfect killing machines, essentially. That's why they wanted to study them and everything. They And their life cycle of laying these eggs, facehuggers coming out, parasite, your hosts, then burst was like, and then repeat that process, was like, oh, it's a brilliant idea or whatever. That's that's a perfect way for a species to be. This ruins all that. Right. Well, and then the thing that comes out of her. Well, yeah. and What the fuck was that? Like I'm saying, though, like you said, where did, that doesn't make any sense because where did the other half come from? Yeah. Secondly, the scene where she's giving childbirth they show they they do a shot where they show from like kind of like a high angle down on her. Her legs are open. Mm-hmm. Her little fucking alien legs, like she's giving birth through a birth canal. But instead of a birth canal, it's like the placenta's on the outside or something like that. It's this big sack, yes. and the thing's bursting out of the sack. It's so gross. And this thing that comes out of there, and I give them kudos for deciding to, hey, let's play with the design and stuff like that. Let's make something new. It's a gross human-alien hybrid thing. But it's the size of a man. A little bit taller, but yeah. So, I mean, like, it's supposed to be a baby. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. it comes out, like, the size of an adult person. That's the, Yeah, that's the other thing. She has a human reproductive... How does she have a human reproductive system? Because yeah. none of this works like a human reproductive right. system. Also, births don't last for, like, an hour or whatever. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, you don't carry the child for an hour and it's fully grown, like you said. So none of that makes any sense. But the thing that I find the most hilarious about this scene, the worst scene in any alien movie ever, <laughs> is this birthing scene. One thing I find hilarious about this is everything that's going on is so dumb and convoluted and stupid that they have to, for no reason, keep one of the scientists alive, kind of like 
fused to the alien layer or yeah, whatever. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Like, that's sort of a thing that they did in Aliens, Ugh. the second one, as, like, they were keeping them for future hosts or whatever. But it seems as if the only point of him being alive and fused there is so he could just shout exposition <laughs> at no one, because Sigourney Weaver, Ripley, whatever, clone Ripley, is not paying attention to him at all. No. He's just shouting this. It's like he's literally talking directly to the audience. Yeah. But he's like, oh, it's this and it's that. And it's, it's just a soliloquy. He's not, there's no call, the call and response. He's not having a dialogue. It's just him shouting things. And he's like, it look, it thinks you're its mother, you know, and everything. <laughs> and it was weird because he seems so happy about it. And he's like, oh, it's so beautiful. And like, it's not like beautiful and you're fucking crazy and nobody would be like happy in that situation yeah and it's like can you have faith in your filmmaking that when this monster comes up and like rubs its face on her face and stuff like that 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 will get the idea that it thinks it's her mom i don't know why it does it literally was just birthed from a different thing mm-hmm. from an alien, which he that which the the baby, whatever you want to call it, uh, fucking tears its head off after being born and kills it. Yeah, like wh- what was that too? Yeah, why the anger? I don't understand. And why does it think that Ripley's its mom? But then uh, once all the expo- once this guy's shouted all his expedition exposition, then the alien hybrid uh knows that its purpose has been fulfilled and it just bites his head off right and then when they do finally kill it it's the worst thing i've ever seen in my life yeah they decide i think this is supposed to be a big emotional scene oh ripley decides she's got to kill the alien the ticking clock in this is that the ship has been rerouted to earth so they're going to Earth with a ship of with a bunch of aliens on it. Mm-hmm. And obviously they don't want that because then that would be the end of everyone on Earth. Right. And Ripley takes some of her acid blood and throws it at the window, which causes a hole, which then the alien hybrid gets like, because of the vacuum of space, it gets sucked into the hole and then basically all of it gets sucked out of the hole, this tiny little hole. And the whole time it's like in pain and crying and whatever. Yeah. Like it's screaming out to her and stuff. And she's like, sorry, baby, and stuff like that. She, she, Sigourney Weaver does a great job of selling it as like she feels regret because it's like she feels like this is her child. Or maybe whatever. I still think maybe it is. I still think maybe somehow it's supposed to be. Because where so else Ripley, did the human part come from? So Ripley fucked the alien. Well, no, but I mean, I think it, maybe it used her DNA somehow. In a deleted scene. <laughs> oh, God. It's like Rosemary's Baby, where it's like Ripley was passed out and she just sees <laughs> flashes of the alien on top of her. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, come on, baby. So gross. <laughs> it's a little second mouth, you know, coming out. Um, anyway, so a lot of a lot of alien. Is, the the first movie is there's a lot of phallic stuff. There's a lot of vaginal stuff. It's all the the. There's a lot of subtext of um, uh, like 
sexual subtext to a lot of that stuff. Yeah, uh, Ridley Scott's kind of messed up. Uh, or, the, or the writers, because he didn't write that. Uh, two two dudes wrote it. Okay. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that all that is weird, and that's a horrific scene, obviously. But it's not emotional to me. No, I don't. I never really cared about her feeling like a connection to the aliens. That didn't matter that much to me. It wasn't. It wasn't important. But then again, nothing in this movie was important. That's true. It was all just, I don't know, like a scrambled up mess of like shit that didn't make sense in space. We haven't even talked about the fact that uh, Winona Ryder's in this. Oh yeah, and Ron Perlman. Mm-hmm. But they're both in it. They are. Ron Perlman growls through his uh, his part, <laughs> and Winona Ryder is good. She's a good actress. Yeah, she does her part. She well. plays a robot. Surprise! Another android. Another surprise android. Everyone. Yeah, and then the thing tries to crawl in her chest, but it turns out, you know, not a person. So yeah. So I I, I don't I don't I don't understand that that either. And like, like, what's the point of that? Yeah, and like the whole like oh human reproductive system. Yet yeah, they're still going to try to tunnel into people. Yeah, that's the thing is, there were face huggers here. Eh. When did it develop the the, the reproductive system? Because there were eggs. They were trying to get other people. And they had scenes earlier where they, they got other people. There was a dude that they were bringing along with them. Like, it's a fucking zombie movie, and he was bitten by a zombie. They're like, this dude's got an alien in his yeah. chest. Well, let's bring him along. Hopefully we can help him. <laughs> yeah, that's so stupid. There's a scene early on where the the head pirate, because it's a bunch of pirates land on this ship. Dan Hedea is a general, apparently, in some sort of army, I guess, like the U.S. Army or whatever. And he's contracted these pirates to to essentially hijack people that were. And by the way, like I don't that makes me feel no sympathy for these people either. But they hijack human beings that are in hibernation. So that they can use them as hosts. So they can breed from the one queen. They can breed more. And that's what they do. And this is one of those guys that's got the thing in his chest, right? And the other ones died because they birthed new aliens. And, like, that makes them assholes. <laughs> but there's a time, there's a time uh, before everything kind of goes to shit where the leader is with the female pilot and she's laying on the bed in like a negligee and she's like, ah, uh, like she's like making like the, you do it. Do some of the noises. She's no, making. I'm not doing that. Come on, do a couple of the noises. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. And then we pan and he's rubbing her feet. It was ridiculous. It really was. Like, yeah, I've never. I think I'm pretty good at, at <laughs> foot rubs, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I've never made a woman sound like that when I've rubbed her feet. And you're a fucking pilot on a spaceship, right? You're not working in a space casino or something <laughs> like that, where you're on your feet for twelve hours a day. How sore can your feet be? You're sitting there. That was messed up. Yes, I almost forgot about that. that is was she? Really an, bad. Is she? Was she a humanoid-looking species? But 
a, a different alien species whose genitals were on her feet? <laughs> Maybe. I could totally see that in this fucked up movie. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. I, that scene was out of place. They just need to throw some sex in there somewhere. I get, but was that sex? It was she supposed wasn't, to be sexy, I She think. wasn't naked. <laughs> and she's getting a foot massage. And by the way, who lays on their stomach when they're getting a foot massage? I don't know. Like, that's an awkward way to get a foot massage. It was all very strange. I mean, it was good to see her ass, but not good for a foot massage. <laughs> you know what I think? You know what I think? What do you think? I think they wrote that scene where he was like going down on her or something like that. And then they changed it. And the MPAA or whatever came in and was like, X, X rating. Can't do that. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Like there's sex in R rated movies and stuff. No, nah, it's too graphic. You can't do it. Yeah, and then maybe. they tried to cut it. They tried to cut around different like things and everything. And they just kept coming back with the X rating. And then they finally had to go with rubbing the feet. And they were like, okay, you approved for R. But, if that was the case, that's speculation on my end. If that was the case, just cut the whole scene. Right. Scene's not. It wasn't important. Scene's not pivotal to anything that happens. Not at all. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. So dumb. And that's, like, that is indicative of, I mean, like, did they bring Quentin Tarantino out to write <laughs> that scene? That's what I was thinking, too, yeah. Because I don't think Joss Whedon has a foot fetish. Well, who knows? All those Hollywood people are weird. There's not a lot of feet in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, she uses her feet. <laughs> True. She's kicking a lot, but but it was awful. Yeah. From start to finish, it was no good. Very, very bad. And I, I think I'm pretty much done with alien movies. I don't know about you. I mean, not all movies with aliens in it, but I mean the alien franchise. Really? You promise this will be the last one you make me see? I don't know. Uh-huh. It depends. It depen- Just promise. <laughs> Listen, we don't have to watch any more alien films for the show. Unless they, you know, like, unless they come up with, like, like there's that comic book, Alien vs. Predator. Mm-hmm. They've talked about doing that as a movie for a long time. No. They, if they did that, we'd, you know, that's an interesting idea we could watch. No. Maybe if they come up with Alien versus Leprechaun in space. And then he can, like, pee on it or whatever. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, be, no. That'd be interesting. Uh, anyway, so that is the episode. Uh, in case you couldn't figure it out, don't see this movie. For the love of God, do not do it. Oh, jeez. What a fucking slog this was. Yeah. And the it's room stuff was, that we do for you people. And the the theater was was fairly crowded too, so I couldn't even get any. <laughs> Poor baby. Yeah. All right, Carol, tell people uh, what they can get, and then we'll get out of here. So you can uh, write us at late fee nineteen ninety four at com. Yes. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. and share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.